Well, welcome back. Uh, this is episode 18 of Talking Elements, where we are discussing week eight of the third wheel, Walk in the Spirit, part two. Um, this time, Steve uh, gave the message. If you missed last week's, please go back and watch it because it really is a two-parter. Actually, watch the whole series, the whole sermon series, because it's been excellent, um, and it has us flowed from one to another. And mm-hmm. this is a little bit more of the practical um side of things, which uh, is fantastic. So I want to be jump right in. Uh, Happy New Year, and thanks for joining us. Steve, um, would you mind just giving a brief inter- recap of your, your message? Basically just wanted to give a, a starting point for walking with God and some principles that um, help us to walk in the Spirit. And uh, I started at a place that a lot of people might not actually think of walking in the Spirit, and that was by resting in God's work, the need for us to first and foremost know for certain that we can't earn our way to heaven, but that Jesus has done the work for us, and we rest in his work, we trust in what he's done, because that's the point where the Holy Spirit actually comes in and uh, begins to do his work of transformation in us. Without that first step, none of the rest of the points would make any sense at all. After uh, doing the uh, resting in God's work, the next thing is that we look to God's word and using God's word as uh, sort of our ballast and our checkpoint whenever we think that we're being led in a direction we have the written word of God to test the thing that we think that we're hearing. And so looking to God's word, the next thing was yielding to God's will. Once we're convinced that the spirit is moving us in a direction, we have a choice to make whether we're going to comply or not. And so we present ourselves to him and we present the members of our body uh, to him and we follow his lead. Um, The next thing was... um, keeping in step with God's Spirit. And I expanded on that quite a bit, and and it'd be good for people to go back and actually look at each of those steps. But we, I likened it to walking on a trail and all the things that you need to do. You need to have your eyes on the leader, and but you also got to have your eyes on the trail because it's a very dangerous thing. You need to make your course corrections along the way and <laughs> walking in community mm-hmm. with other believers because they can help you keep in step as well as they are faithful to follow God's lead in, in helping you. I really appreciated uh, how you explained being filled with the spirit that it's not, it that he's a person we can't get more we can't be filled more to the brim with the spirit that it, it really is but it's a allowing parts of our lives to be controlled to be used more so i, I really appreciated that and that goes along the same lines of it's a not one and done you said and i thought that was really good like that's this continual we need him to Entering and our sin might push back on him and his mm-hmm. work. Steve, for you, have you had has someone helped influence your life in, in understanding this better, or what? How how have you come? Because you laid it out in such a nice, simple way. Well, I have a lot of years <laughs> to, to, to of, of knucklehead living that it has taught me a little bit here and there, but. Um, Influential people, Charles Stanley would be one, very practical teacher, 
um, in that. Um, but I think for me, probably the starting point for me was when I stopped trying and started trusting and actually, you know, became a, a, a person who is is resting in Christ, where I didn't have anything to prove to God anymore. I knew that he had accepted me. And then the desire is like, well, if he's done this much for me, then I want to learn how to walk with him. And so, of course, you know, studying the word, having good teachers to listen to, like, you know, we have good teachers here in church that there's just a, a, a lot of... Um, a, a lot of influences, I would say. Some uh, friends who maybe, you know, spiritually slapped me up the side of the head and showed me that I wasn't, you know, I was doing something from a wrong motive. God began to teach me there. Uh, the book of Romans and the book of Galatians, huge influences on me as I studied those out. It just lays out so much in that. John 15, which Jeff mentioned uh in the last message about abide in me. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. And just starting to realize that I am so dependent, whether I realize it or not. You know, I need to make a, a declaration of dependence and stick to it, mm-hmm. you know. So I was thinking, as you were talking about influences and like growing, I was thinking that for me, there's this progression there's first understanding god's grace yeah that that as you understood grace i started to understand grace more as i understood grace more i started to understand my position before god more and his posture toward me of of because of christ he truly accepts me he doesn't just love me because he has to but he likes me he wants to be connected to me and so then i could actually say well then maybe i could be controlled by a god who likes me and wants me to be related and connected to him because before when I thought I was in judgment well I don't want you to control me because I'm I don't really trust him I don't trust you (laughs) enough yet so I think understanding God's grace and our new position before God and his posture towards us leads you to a point where you're willing to submit and yield to him and be controlled by him otherwise it's not even appealing mm-hmm. because you have the wrong picture of God. Your image of God is wrong. And so, of course, you're not going to want to be controlled by that false God. And you're not you're going to think I can probably do this better on my own. So I think that for me, that understanding grace and what God's really done for us first is a huge step to this stuff playing out and learning and even wanting to walk with him. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have a specific time when when you rested in God in in God's work as opposed to working yourself and like, and, and what, what had to happen for you to do that? Like, like practically, what did that look like? So I think I, for me, I would say it's, it's been incremental that it hasn't been a single moment. Um, I can think of a season in, uh, in high school where I remember giving up my attempts to live the godly life on my own and, and just saying, God, you got to show up. And then I remember in college, kind of another process of kind of resting again and resting in um, who God was saying I'm declared to be, even if I didn't feel like I lived up to it Mm -hmm. yet, and saying, okay, this is how you look at me. It's clearly not what I look like, but since you decided to clothe me with Christ's righteousness and that's what you see, I'm just going to trust that you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. 
and kind of just rest mm -hmm. in you have completely accepted me even though I don't feel acceptable. And I'm going to... Th there was something about that that caused me to be able to draw near to God because of just taking him at his word and resting in his declaration of my total salvation and redemption and acceptance in Christ, not because of me, because of him. Mm. That, and then I think over time there have been other steps, but those ones are the big ones that stand out. I think for me, my early years, uh, first five, six plus years of being a believer all the way through my Bible training and missionary training, I, I would be marked by unrest, um, trying to be better, uh, trying not to sin, not to be guilty and all of that. And it wasn't until I was actually on the mission field and the missionaries there were trying to train us as to how we could reach tribal people and how, what it takes for them to understand the gospel and what is the gospel really. And it wasn't until I realized, oh, the gospel isn't me giving my life to Jesus. What does he want with my life? It's not me giving my heart to him. He doesn't want my stinky old heart. It is Jesus giving himself for me 2,000 years ago. And they just were training us to be able to communicate clearly. And in that process of learning how to communicate it, I started to get it. Mm -hmm. I started to realize that I was trying to make myself acceptable to God. I was trying to be good enough to kind of to prove that I was a believer because I didn't really feel accepted by him. And when I realized through that teaching on grace is really what it was, that um, it's not me committing myself to him, but Jesus committing himself to pay the debt of my sin. And that um, it, God did my salvation for me in Jesus. And I could rest. My faith was not me building up trust it's actually resting my faith on something that was done for me 2,000 years ago. And that's where I first began. I was already a missionary, already working in a tribe, learning the language so I could share with them when I realized what it was that really saved me. Mm -hmm. And even though I knew the, the doctrines and all of that, I hadn't really grasped the, uh, the beauty of what's been done. And then it became easy. That's why I like to call it a rest because for me it was a rest from my own works mm. and a trust in somebody else's work for me. Scary that I'm already a missionary on the field and I didn't really even get it myself. Well, it's great. I, I mean, I think time has come up now several times in this conversation and, and God uses time and he still yes. uses us and, and still... Like, I don't know, he uses us and, and never stops growing and teaching us. And mm -hmm. so, I think he uses other people, too, because I can think of different people. As I came into contact with people who I didn't realize what, what drew me to them, but now I can look back and say they get grace. Actually understood grace. And the people I was being drawn to in these different seasons of my life, they were people who understood grace. Mm -hmm. And it was compelling, and I wanted what they had. And I'm like, how do you have this relationship and this freedom with God that I just don't feel. Mm -hmm. And 
So I would try to learn a little bit from them or ask them, well, you know, what have, what have you studied? What have books influenced you or, or what, you know, things like that that I could learn from them because I saw in them that they were different and they had this depth and authenticity and freedom with Christ that I just loved and was excited about. And I remember seeing different people throughout mm-hmm. my life mm-hmm. in different seasons and God was using them to draw me to understand grace better. And I mean, I can see it now, but back then I was just like, this is, how, how did you get where you are? <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> uh, yeah. I really appreciated yielding to God's will is allowing him to control our thoughts and actions. So often, you, I, cause I read, I read these notes before and I'm like, yielding to God's word. Okay. It's me. It's, it's all like, I go to my head. It's all my work, right? It's all my, like, I'm going to lay this down for him or I'm going to do this because he says it. But the way you really put it out is by allowing him to fill us. Um, and that is to control our thoughts and actions. And, and that was really cool. Like, so what, do you guys have thoughts on, for any further thoughts on that? I have had so many times where I, I didn't want to do what God wanted me to do. And I learned that what I had to do in situations like that, and I'm not perfect at it yet, but um, is I pray that God will deal with me and change my will so that I am willing to yield. And I, it's, it's just sort of an act of trust to say, Lord, change my mind in this because I'm, I'm bucking against the system here and I need you to work at the level of my will. I give you permission to actually override my will so that I'll be willing and even wanting to do what you want me to do here. And um, that's not an easy place to go to. But uh, like what Jeff was saying earlier, is the more you learn about this God who accepts you the way you are and loves you unconditionally just as you are, uh, if he can do that for you, can you maybe trust him to shape you afterwards? You know, the, he, he accepts you as you are, but he doesn't leave you as you are. Mm-hmm. And you really ought to be grateful for that. And I love the term yielding. When you yield, you let somebody else do something. It is not an activity that you do. You relent and you let him mm-hmm. do it. And that's where the good stuff begins is when he, he, sa- he says, I got this. I mean, that brings to mind many times when Kristen and I have faced these huge decisions, we will pray together, you know, God, this is what we think we want to do, but change our hearts if it's not what you want us yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. Because we know that God will give us new desires. Um, and so if this isn't what you want us to do, it's really what we want to do. <laughs> but if it's not what you want us to do, then give me the new desire so that I'll want to do what you want to do because I don't want to be in a place where I'm going against what you want for me. And, and I think that posture has, I mean, every time that posture has helped because God has either come in and changed our hearts or given us peace mm-hmm. and freedom to go and, and try it. And it's been, I think that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it actually gives you the freedom to step out knowing that you've committed um, your heart to receiving his correction, his direction correction or whatever, you know, and that that you can walk with him without fear 
knowing that he's big enough to stop you and smart enough to turn you if you need to turn. And so many believers won't step out because they're afraid of offending God or or failing or whatever. But if we really know him and know what an amazing uh, coach, leader, director, and all of that, and how wise he is, uh, man, to put yourself in his hands and just say, you know, go ahead, lead me and and show me. And it gets back to what Jeff was saying about learning who God is and how amazing uh, his attributes are and how much you can trust him. Because a walk yeah. in a walk in the spirit is a walk trusting somebody else <laughs> to run your life. You got to know who that person is to trust them. Yeah, it's great because we're not just talking about experiences. I mean, and and right. you know when I when we entered this sermon series, I thought we'd be mainly talking about experiences and, and stuff like that. And this is this is just I, this is so good. This is just all of our life focused on and receiving the blessing that is being filled with the spirit. Uh, so we're going to leave it there. Uh, for, I'm going to go over the four points again. Well, it starts with understanding God's grace. Um, and then <laughs> like that. Yeah. resting in God's work, looking uh, to God's word, yielding to God's will and keeping in step with God's spirit. And as we begin this 2021 year, um, we hope that you grow in, in those steps uh, and you become uh a more spirit-filled person, not that the spirit is in you any more or less, but that <laughs> that you allow his work to uh, permeate more of your life um, and that you yield, which I love mm-hmm. how you explain that word, um, more and more to him and his work. And with that, we will see you next week as we begin The Greatest Story Ever Retold <laughs> and uh, a new series right before we hit Lent. So I will talk to you Uh, I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Good. Oh, we just got to refilm it all. (laughs) Start with grace. Start with grace. Start with grace. (laughs)